This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church, welcome back to the Friday edition of Village Church <laughs> Q&A podcast. Michael, you started making that noise. I didn't know what you were doing. Uh, now I realize Friday, Friday. Okay, I got it. All right. I'm trying not to scream into the microphone. <laughs> okay, I just I was afraid you were going to start laugh. the announcer voice. You were going to make that noise. Friday, Friday, Friday. Friday, Friday. No, no, no. Spatula so, City. Do you know that movie, by the way? I do not know that movie. The UHF, Weird Al. Spatula City. All right, All right I'll, I'll take your word for it. Sorry. So this question is, I'm going to just throw it right at you because this is a question for Michael. All right. Here's the question. When can we do a sermon at Village Church of Bartlett on the book of Revelation? What say you? What say you? I, if, you know, five years ago, I would have said never. Um, and I'm, I did a sermon series on Revelation 1 through 3. I did a sermon series on Revelation 20 and 21. So parts of the book of parts Revelation, of, not the entire yeah. book. It, truthfully, it's one of the most preachable books. Oh, my goodness. It's it, an Jesus is almost on every page. So on the one hand, it's a great – obviously, it's a great book. In the, but like preachable-wise, some books are harder to preach. Like Lamentations is not quite as preachable as mm-hmm. Revelation. So it's an amazing book. It's a very complicated book. It's a very nuanced yes, book. Yes, it is. And – I'll just start with a couple of things that the preacher has to get ready for if they're going to like really do well on Revelation. First of all, you have to ask the question, do I have a a crystal clear, well-delineated – and I'm going to – audience, give me some grace here. I'll explain these things. But do I have a crystal clear, well-delineated eschatology, which is a theological term for my theology and perspective of how the end of times is going to work out? So there are different eschatologies or views on how the end times works out. For example, our audience might have heard the word tribulation mm-hmm. and the word rapture and the word millennium and the order of these events. Are these events even real? Is there even a rapture? Is there sure. even a tribulation? There are all these big questions that, depending on what church you grew up in, you likely only heard one view. Correct. I'm going to blow our mo- audience's mind for a moment. Okay. We're going to shatter your world. Okay. <laughs> Typically, if you grew up in a church that taught Revelation, typically in the last hundred years, here's what you heard, that there will be a rapture. And after the rapture will be a seven-year tribulation. And after the seven-year tribulation, Jesus is going to come back and launch a millennial kingdom. And Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And when that millennial kingdom is done, then there will be a great white throne judgment, the new heavens and the new earth, and then we'll be on the new earth forever and ever. And then it's going to be grand. If you grew up with that, Likely, your pastor taught a revelation. And right. if your pastor taught a revelation, likely that was that's his perspective. The, that's exactly the way we were taught in my beginning days of Christianity. Correct. Pre-tribulational rapture. Yep. Pre-tribulational millennial. Right. So now let me just let me just shatter people's minds. In Christendom, that is not the majority view. Number one. That is correct. It is the majority view in terms of pop culture and in terms of Christian pop culture, meaning the most amount of books that make it to press, Mm -hmm. take that eschatological view because Moody and Tyndale um, have functioned, Moody especially, largely out of that view. Out of the Schofield theology. And they have the ability to pump out pop Christian media mm-hmm. that is in line with their view. Now, Tyndale is a little bit broader in their views, but Moody particularly, okay? Moody, Moody is a dispensational, pre-tribulational, mm-hmm. premillennial school. But 
in terms of Christendom, that is not the majority view. It doesn't mean it's wrong, mm -hmm. but I'll even go back in time and say that view is new to Christendom as of the mid-19th century, 1830s particularly. So nobody before held that crystal clear, concise of a perspective on, on the end times. Not saying it's wrong. You and I disagree, Tim. I'm not trying to like put you in a corner. No, 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 no. We're we're on the same page. But factually, like factually and historically, you can trace it back yep. to about the mid 19th century, where these terms became more crystal clear, yep. more refined or defined, yep, systematized, systematized. Yep. So that's a whole other question. What is systematic theology? So mm -hmm. ask that question, church friends. Um, what is biblical theology? Ask that so we can answer it. Yes. So one of the questions that the preacher has to figure out is uh, do I have a perspective on these things? And if you do, that will be a lens through which every single text is filtered. Right. Now, if the preacher does not have an eschatological agenda, he would preach the book very differently. Mm -hmm. So in every single one of the texts are we'll just say biblical principles about the future. Mm -hmm. So rather than ramrodding them all into an eschatological or end times chronology of how things are going to work, the preacher can take a perspective and say, all right, I know there are different eschatological views, different views of how this is going to play itself out, but like, let's land on the things we agree. There will be a new heaven and new earth. That's correct. Whether or not Satan is bound now or will be bound later, whatever, Here's what we know that we know that we know, okay? Whether the millennium is now or later. And I do think there's value in the emerging preaching culture and the emerging of, of preachers just trying to be opinionated, clear, but also relevant to a diverse church to be able to say, here are the options. Here's where I stand, but you're welcome to differ on some of these things. So the preacher has to make a decision. Do I want to take a diverse church with me to the main destinations mm -hmm. or do I want to take what will be a diverse church to my destination and my eschatological view? It's really, really hard because in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, the dominant view was the preacher would yes. preach his perspective. And if you didn't agree with his perspective, you were wrong. You were wrong. And you were usually asked to either change your opinion or leave the church. Yes. Now, that will say uh, fundamentalist-esque view is is going, going, gone. Okay? Yes. Now, what we have to understand, so like at our church, we have a number of former pastors. We have a number of people that are masters of divinity. Mm -hmm. We have a number of people masters of theology. The list goes on and on. And I don't think any of them share the same eschatological view. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Some are similar. Some, there might be a few handfuls that are like identical, but even in terms of like how you view these things. So you might be treat people Pre-trib, somebody might be mid-trib, post-trib. Somebody might not even believe in a rapture. Oh, oh my gosh, right? Pre-wrath. No. Oh my. Oh my gosh, are they even Christians? You know, like <laughs> so I have to be very sensitive. I grew up in a reformed, covenantal, amillennial church, mm -hmm. which has formed my thinking profoundly. Yes. I ended up going to a very we'll say quasi-reformed <laughs> dispensational school, mm -hmm. which by the way, you don't have to know the words audience, just know they're different. They're different. It's like Democrats and Republicans, right? That's It's like you start with these fundamental values and they work themselves out in your politics, okay? Yes. Well, you start with these fundamental values in terms of scripture, it's called your hermeneutic, right? Mm -hmm. They're the values that filter all of the texts you read that form your conclusions. So we have them in politics. That's just called your political values, right? You have them in theology. It's called your hermeneutical values. Correct. And again, big word. Don't get lost. But I know this is more than most people want. But 
this is what holds most preachers back from preaching this book. Do I want to preach an agenda or do I want to preach the big picture? And then there's another question. Right. Do I want to go verse by verse or idea by idea? Mm-hmm. Because if I go idea by idea, I'm at a 12-week sermon. But if I go verse by verse, we're at a 18-month Oh, sermon minimum. series. Minimum. minimum. To do this book and its beauty. There's beautiful theology. There's beautiful Christology in the book of Revelation. Oh, my gosh. There might be no more book that could compel the heart to such beautiful vision in such beautiful terms. Right. So here's my challenge. When I talk about my views of the end times, I have to be very tempered. Because there are many people who grew up in a very hyper-conservative dispensational mm-hmm. church. That would be me. And they don't have categories for what I say. Let me just give you a hypothetical. There could, in theory, be a pastor on our church staff. And you could ask them this question. Do you believe in a rapture? And they would say, no. Somebody in our church would hear that and say, oh my goodness, fire that person. Fire them now. They're yeah. not going to heaven. Now, if you ask them this question, do you believe Jesus is coming back bodily to judge the living and the dead with angels and a trumpet? Mm-hmm. They will say, uh, yes. yes. Right? Which, theologically, there's a difference between sure. rapture and second coming. Mm-hmm. And so somebody can say, the passages that you believe refer to a rapture, I believe refer to a second coming. Mm-hmm. The most important part is, do you believe in a second coming? Yes, that, that's so exactly the if question. If I sit across from Pastor Tim and Pastor Tim says, I don't believe in a second coming, but I believe in a rapture, I'm going to tell you, you're fired. On the <laughs> other hand, if you tell me, I don't believe in a rapture, but I believe in a second coming, I'm going to say, cool, let's talk about it. That's, yeah, let's that's, talk. A, that's fun. You get the main thing down. Mm-hmm. That's important. Now, if you're just thoughtless about it, you'll get fired because mm-hmm. thoughtless theology on pastoral staff is not going to work. It's dangerous. Well. Yeah, that it's is dangerous because it'll continue yeah. in other areas. Absolutely. I want to know your opinion. Anyway. So anyways, big questions are, do I have a theological agenda? Will I preach that? Will I preach the main things or the minor things? Do I want to preach topically and do a 12-week sermon? Um, do I want to preach verse by verse and do a year and a half sermon? These are So when can we do a sermon in the book of Revelation? Let me just tell you my values. I would I would preach the options and let people discern, mm-hmm. share with them my process on these things. Um, I would probably do a verse by verse that would take me a year to a year and a half. So that means I have to have about a year, a year and a half, and then I would break it up into probably six sub-sermon series. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in that case, then what I would do is I'd give myself a good year and a half, break it up into six mini sermons. Uh, and the challenge with that is, 2017 is already plotted out in terms of our entire preaching calendar. Yeah, uh, I'm wrestling with 2017 between going back um, to do a New Testament book for the sake of grounding our church more. Right. Or going back and doing Old Testament narrative like Genesis to ground mm-hmm. them in foundations. So um, Revelation has been on my brain and I've been debating, do I postpone Revelation or or do I do I do foundations in terms of end times, or do I do foundations in terms of creation and the launch of uh, creation in Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The thing that I've seen in in my past is when the Book of Revelation is preached in a local church, it is usually preached from a heady uh, standpoint. It's informational. What I don't Revelation s- is ruined when it's information. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Like and, if you want to be smart, that. cool. Smart people go to hell. You yeah. want to be moved to worship Jesus, and you got to get past and that's information. That's the big challenge that that I would always want to hold intention is yes, we can preach information, but it's got to be transformational. What is it? What is the text? What is what is the sermon trying to do to transform people into the image of Christ? This book is written 
to a group of people who are broken and disenfranchised. Their pastor has been exiled to his death on the Isle of Patmos. Like this is a broken, hurting Mm -hmm. book. It is from the heart of a pastor to his people. Um, It is Jesus giving this pastor words of encouragement for a broken, discouraged people who need hope for the future. I'll tell you, 2017, we don't know what's going to happen. Donald Trump could ruin America or make it great again. I don't know. But if the world starts to go crazy, I'm probably going to pull up Revelation. Yeah. And if the world starts to like stabilize a little bit, at least the, our perspective in America of the world and our experience, if, if, if our people start to be, feel a, a more long-term international and cultural national stability, I might go to Genesis. Mm-hmm. Revelation is one of these books that I would really love to put in my pocket for the day, for the season, for the era. When culturally we're in another recession, yeah. um, we're in a, a, a war where there's just really difficult things, when the cultural heat against the church rises. The book of Revelation gives hope to the Christian. Yes. It gives us the assurance that, hey, as crazy as this world might be, yep. God is on his throne and he is in control. Yep. Which is why we're doing Daniel after Easter, because yeah. Daniel is all about how to live culturally in a yes. culture that does not support you. Well, that's mm-hmm. what we're experiencing that's, as Christians. That's so where we're at. That's why I want to do that book. So for me, a lot of this has to do with, okay, what's happening culturally? What's happening in the church? What's happening with our church? And then, so when can we do a sermon? Eh, we'll see. We'll see. Good question. Thanks for that. Great question. Michael, why don't you tell our listeners, what are we going to hear next week? All right. Next week, a buddy of mine, Will Franco, he is the pastor of Tri Village Church in Streamwood. And Tri Village Church is not connected to Village (laughs) Church, but there happens to be village churches in like every city. So even some cities have like Tri Village Church and Village Church of Bartlett. Mm -hmm. So they're in Streamwood, but they minister to three different cities, Bartlett being one of their main areas where they minister to. And so uh, anytime there is a church that is ministering in our city, we want to be buddies with them, collaborate with them, encourage them. They're not our competition. uh, Not at all. In fact, our former, uh, one of our former worship leaders, Matt Kammerer, um, he went on now, he is their um, worship director or worship pastor. I don't know what they call him over there, Mm -hmm. but he's their main worship leader um, over there. So, which has been really neat. Matt, went from Village Church of Bartlett to Tri Village Church. (laughs) So I got to know Will a little bit. We actually sat next to each other at Matt's wedding. We've gotten together since then and uh, really just love him. And he's got a huge heart. They're a church that is um, planted off of Wheaton Bible, another gospel preaching church that we love in Wheaton. Mm -hmm. In our area. Yep. So uh, really excited to have Will on. And uh, we ask pastors, we basically say, hey, what are the five most frequently questions you get asked as a pastor? Every pastor has different experiences, gifts, and whatnot. So all the pastors who have come on have shared those. They've all been different questions. So we're going to ask Will, what have you been asked the most? And he's going to process. And I want, honestly, I want our church to know what's happening we don't want to be a silo like i love village we're ministering to village church that's great but god's doing really great things at poplar creek they have a new pastor coming in town Um, i think at the time of this recording he's just moving in and uh, starting at the beginning of february really excited for them to see what god's going to do with him i've been in touch with him and uh want to see um yeah just how we can support and encourage that church so anyways so village i hope you see that part of what we're trying to do here is um, be a team with our teammates well i'm looking forward to hearing those podcasts listeners i hope you are too join us then yeah.